gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, Electricity here in Columbia. Well, it's been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Williams Bryce Stadium is second to none. And the raid breaks out in Columbia. It is good. Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, Carolina. It's gone. Touchdown. What a hit. He makes it in. Can you believe it? The Cops have won this game. Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert. Oh, watch him celebrate now. Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losing. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined the first time. All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Signorama Studios, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics and built by the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com, where you can build your dream home in four states right now, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, and Tennessee for $160 per square foot. Some of those are not going to be that low, but they are beautiful, beautiful dream style homes. And if you go to the barndominiumco.com, you won't regret taking a peek if that is what you want to do. I mean, if you want to build a home here in the future. Uh, JC is off today. He has been traveling. It has been a whirlwind for our friend. I'm telling you, he has uh, had the worst time flying and uh, he's finally back in Chicago and he is going to take a day not answer phone calls if any of you know him personally don't call him and don't text him <laughs> leave him alone he'll be back tomorrow and uh, he's got some stuff to get through over the next couple of days from a work standpoint and then he'll be headed back down here to the south as in South Carolina where Gamecock football is right now currently underway, getting ready for the 2023 season. We'll talk about some of the great games in history. Great is a – Phil, that's a stretch because, yeah. yeah, it's really it really games that came down to a field goal kick. And some of them worked out and some of them didn't for the Gamecocks over the years. So we'll go back into some of that. Why are we? Because they're one of the, if not the, best special teams unit in the country, at least entering the season. A lot can change between now and then, of course. But Mitch Jeter has been pretty reliable at the field goal position, and we all know about Kai Kroger punting. But we're talking about field goals today. So if you can think back in your brain of a game that you have been to that always clicks when you think of a game ender, whether it was on the winning side or the losing side for South Carolina, put it into the Nana Sports chat box and we will fuss and discuss. I've got uh, I've got a laundry list of them. Some were really really fun, and some 
they weren't a lot of fun, and I was uh, present for a lot of them as well. So we'll get into that here just a little bit. David Cloninger is coming up in about 20 minutes with the Post and Courier. We'll get an update from his side and his point of view on what Carolina has been able to accomplish early on in camp, I guess technically about the first week or so of preseason camp. Uh, we will also talk about what the future of the college football playoff could potentially look like now with conference realignment shaking up everything once again. And it's it's kind of getting to a point where it might just be time to say, you know what, the hell with all the fancy stuff. Let's just go to the tw- 12 best teams in the sport and let them play for the dadgum thing. Forget the whole championship deal and, and the whole nine yards, but uh, we're going to get to that here. Uh, just a little bit. I mentioned the Nana Sports chat box. Did talk to Chris this morning on the phone for a while. Chris, if you're watching or listening, it was good to catch up with you. What a great guy. All of you will get a chance who will be attending the pre-party, pre-game party in Charlotte uh, to meet Chris with Nana's Porch and uh, try out some of his unbelievable food. Can't wait for that buffet, Phil. Uh, you and I will, yeah. uh, we will kindly let everybody know that we will be the first ones in line and they can all get the hell out of the way y'all will eat when we're done how about that (laughs) (laughs) yeah i like it yeah just uh you know step aside let us through nobody gets hurt yeah look here i'm I'm gonna say this i'm gonna say it once that's it listen to what i'm telling you because i've been uh i've been craving the pimento cheese since the uh carolina rise event at home team barbecue in mount pleasant and he gave me some and i brought it home and jc ate it all on my back porch while we watching carolina baseball i was like dude you gotta be kidding me so yeah we uh we're looking forward to to getting up there for that as well uh and also i'm really excited personally um because we'll have some of our friends from the barndo co coming and um alicia is just a wonderful wonderful human being so anybody that might want to meet them and talk to them about some of the things that we tell you that they do every day that'll be a good chance certainly for that but uh phil good morning my man good morning good morning i had a rough start this morning but finally turned it around yeah i'm in it late bobby i hear you <laughs> that was my uh, Bo- fault. bobby on he's, he's all over you huh I didn't see Yeah, that. that's all right. That's all right. Yeah. Well, that's all right. Hey, we're here. Uh again, JC, he'll be uh he'll be back tomorrow. I I know he's it's killing him. I even told him last night, I said, don't click the button tomorrow. Just chill. Uh Just so uh yeah. I didn't even send him a link. I was like, you know what? I'm not even gonna give him a chance nah. to jump in nope. today. Don't let him do it. Absolutely. <laughs> totally agree with you. Uh, we are, of course, are part of the Chief Sports Network as well. All right, uh, filling it up already here. Hey, Xavier, what's up? Uh, yeah, we are here to talk football. There is no doubt about that. Mark is in from Vegas again. It's been hot here, Mark. What's the temperature in Vegas? Give us a weather report. 76 is a present and counted for. We appreciate that. Papa Duck is on the Beamer bandwagon, as he spelled out his name promptly in the uh, Nana Sports chat box. Jamie said the best was 2006 at Clemson. The worst was 2007 at Florida. Yeah, so 2006 at Clemson was Jad Dean, as we all well know. Uh, old Jad <laughs> made Carolina fans really, really happy that day, and it uh, broke a four-game losing streak, if memory serves me correct. Two, three, four, five. 
Yes, two, three, four, five. Yeah, yeah I'm looking There's at it one now. in yeah, two, three, four, five. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, that one was uh, that one was fun. There's no doubt. Two thousand and well, I think you're. I think. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, Jamie. The two the, you're talking about two thousand and six at Florida because that was the, um, what was the guy's name that had failed the drug test and they still let him play for Florida. Oh. Jarvis Moss, Jarvis Moss, yeah, Moss mm-hmm. when he blocked the kick. Yeah, that was that was wild. Well, I mean, the thing was is it happened two weeks before the Clemson game, and. Uh, when, when that kick got blocked. And so when you in the Clemson game, I don't know if any of you were like me, but I'm sitting here thinking, oh, no. You know, they're going to, this thing's going to go through the uprights and, and it's going to happen again. Something is going to break Carolina's heart again. And it didn't. Uh, he missed it. And South Carolina was able to win. And then they would go on to the, um, to Memphis and play Houston in the bowl game. And they scored 44 points in that game to finish the year with eight victories in Coach Spurrier's second year. And that's kind of when you started. I mean, in 2005, it was off to a good start for for Coach Spurrier. But the 2006 season, if you actually go back and and look through the year, um, that eight and five team, there that year, Phil, that year and 2014 were two of the – strangest years I can remember. And they were both under Coach Spurrier. Like, you think about how many games that Coach Spurrier won at South Carolina, right? And he won a ton. But he also... That's for sure. He, But he also had a lot of heartbreak in there as well. And you talk about the 2006 year, you talk about the Florida game. They lost that year by a touchdown against Tennessee... I think the score was 31 to 24. Uh, they got beat that the next week. It was after Tennessee. They got beat by Arkansas by less than a touchdown. And then you go to that 2014 season, um, if you remember that year at all. And Carolina ended up beating Miami in the bowl game to finish seven and six. They and and that was the year you talk about field goal games that they beat. Uh, Florida 23 to 20. Now that wasn't a field goal. That was Dylan Thompson running into the end zone, but it was, it was a three point finish, but the losses that year are what were nuts. Okay. You had that one point loss against Missouri. You blew it in the fourth quarter against Kentucky by giving up 21 points in that game. Uh, you had the seven point loss on the road at Auburn. And then you had that heartbreaking, ridiculous, lost to Tennessee that year in Columbia. I remember that day well. It was freezing. It actually, I think it snowed the night before. If yes, memory it was freezing. Me I correct. was at that game too. Yeah, that was it was so freaking cold. <laughs> so oh yeah. Cold. It oh, was it goodness. was so cold and the wind was blowing. Remember the wind, how bad the wind yes. was blowing all morning? It broke tents and all kinds of stuff. And Carolina was up um by they were up 42 to 28 with under two minutes or no. Okay. Tennessee was driving and they scored that Carolina was up 14 points. Tennessee scored with under two minutes left. Gamecocks went three and out. The Vols scored again. And then they went to overtime and um, Tennessee kicked the field goal 
and then South Carolina shot themselves in the foot, and Elliot Fry had to come out and kick a fifty-eight yarder, and it was nowhere near, yeah. and they got beat yeah, forty-five. Nowhere near. Yeah. So you, I mean, you, but but okay. So I just highlighted all the losses outside of the Clemson loss, which was a debacle that year. <laughs> but then you think about the wins. You think about the yeah. Florida win. You think about the Georgia win, that thirty-eight to thirty-five chaotic scene in Columbia. Um, I mean, you had two nice wins there. And then you had that three-point win over Miami in the bowl game, and you had four heartbreaking losses. Had they won three of those, they would have won ten games again that season. It was the strangest year. That was probably more strange than the 2006 season. Strangest year I've ever seen Carolina football, literally week to week, emotionally, that roller coaster. Up, down. Up, down. It was wild. Yeah. Yeah, that was just just every time you thought things were turning around, there'd be a letdown. And it would be heartbreaking, too, because it was because you had it. You had it, you know, yeah. and then just it was gone. Ugh. Every every loss that year, except for the Clemson loss, was was just, yeah. oh, my gosh, it was wild. Um, man, lots of you have lots of memories of field goal games here. Harrison said, I remember being at the 2016 Tennessee game as an 11-year-old uh, and watching UT miss that field goal that would have tied it and sent it to overtime. One of my fonder memories at Williams Bryce. That is certainly a good one. Uh, Craig said, 15 punters named to the Ray guy watch list for this season. And Kai Kroger's not on the list. That is not true. Uh, Craig, they got me too. Uh, they He is on the list. And we actually even mentioned that yet, uh, a couple of days ago. Phil and I were going over all those that were on the watch list. Mm-hmm. Yesterday they tweeted out an updated. Ver- I guess they added names or something, but they didn't say that. They just said, "Here are our guy. Here are our Ray guy. Watch. Here's our Ray guy watch list." Yeah, they I wasn't got me. Sure if that was a short list or what, but yeah, golly, <laughs> yeah. I had to delete tweets, and I'm not a tweet deleter, uh, and I had to do it because. But it was ridiculous. That's a terrible job on their social media. I didn't even realize that, and I should have doing right. this for 10 years you would think that i would know better and i didn't so i apologize i should have actually gone to the website and checked to make sure that that graphic matched mm-hmm. what was on it i did not do it uh but as soon as i sent that tweet out i got a text from actually from west mitchell from gamecock central and he said they got me too dude check it out and i was like mm-hmm. ah yeah so um i left my uh, thoughts up there because it was perennial i mean that applies after what happened last year, because my yeah. question was, I know Ray Guy was a Raider, so I was like, you know, or is the Davis family in control of this award Dude. because of its mismanagement? <laughs> well, I, I, I think still one of the things that I don't understand about the award, though, is not to get off on a on a topic here because I want to get back into the field goal stuff, but not, not to get too far off. But how does Mississippi State have two punters on it? One of them's never even played a game. It's, it's kind of odd. That doesn't even make sense. It's kind of odd. I don't He's think that bodes kicked. well for uh, what the Ray Guy people think of uh, Will Rogers. <laughs> they think he's going to be punting that much. I mean, they, 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 they have two punters? There's two punters. <laughs> two punters on a watch. It better be the best punting team in the that in the one. world. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. All right, uh, Craig says the 2002 game winner against Ohio State in the hospital room as our son was born. Now, that's that's yeah, a moment you'll you never that's forget, certainly. Mm-hmm. But the thing about that game, though, 
It, uh, it was a 31-28 winner. It was the second consecutive win over the Buckeyes. Gave Coach Holtz in that 2001 South Carolina team their ninth win of the year, Phil. But what a lot of people forget in that game is Carolina was up 28 to nothing. I mean, it I was a runaway. Down to a kick. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then they fell asleep at the wheel, and Ohio State picked up steam and tied that thing. And then Daniel Weaver knocked it through as time expired, and Carolina was able to get out of there with another win over the Buckeyes. And, and shoot, if memory serves me correctly, that's the last time Ohio State and South Carolina have played. So that's been over 21 years. Wow. That's, wow. that's something. Man. Um, it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but you're no. right. It's, 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 well, if they play this year, that's a good sign for South Carolina. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. <laughs> it means you made it to pro- more than likely at, at worst a New Year's yeah, Six. That's right. <laughs> at worst. Uh, I think you take that in Beamer's third year. Yeah. If you can beat Ohio State this year, something's right uh, for, for Carolina. Clint said Josh Brown's field goal in Knoxville was great, even though it wasn't technically – a game winner. Ah, uh, you're right. And but why it was great was because of that we aforementioned 2005 season. That was that was the signature win for Steve Spurrier that year. And I know that they beat Florida at home uh, not long after that in Urban Meyer's first season in the swamp. But going up there and winning that game was a big deal for Carolina, if y'all remember. And Josh kicked it with a little bit over two minutes to go. Um, I haven't actually talked to Josh in a while. We probably need to get him on. He's one of the coolest dudes out there. Uh, he's married to lawyer Lisa in Columbia. If anybody knows, uh, here's the spots for lawyer Lisa up there. Um, and, um, he's one of the great guys out there, but he'll tell you, he said, you know, I didn't have all the power in my leg, like all these guys that have come after him did. But, but when he trotted out there, I I've, I've asked him the same question 20 times to make sure he wasn't lying. I said, how'd you feel running out there? He said, I didn't recognize anybody in the stadium. I didn't look up. I didn't hear anything. I just knew I was going to go kick it, and we were going to win the game, and he did. So that's pretty cool. Nice. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Jan said it wasn't a field goal, but an extra point by Scott Hagler in the 84 game versus Clemson. That extra point made it 22-21. Good guys to seal the win after a mixed extra point on an offsides call against Clemson. The re-kick was good. For the victory, yeah. If had that not gone through, <laughs> or had that not happened, that '84 year wouldn't have been as magical. No, no, that's without, definitely a letdown there at the end of the beating, year. Beating the Tigers, um, yep, Clint. I, well, I was at both those Outback Bowls, and I'll tell you what: for whatever reason, it, Tampa on Jan, Jan, January first, both those years was cold. I'll never be able to figure out why it's 80 degrees the rest of the year, but those two times it was literally like a high of 50. I mean, it was it was wild. Um, Kevin said Mizzou in 2013. Yep, that was the Connor Shaw game where he came hobbling back in and brought him back. And, of course, Missouri's miss uh, in overtime. I, I don't know. So – that that win, Phil, had more meaning to it uh, than the one I'm about to mention. Although the one I'm about to mention is all, will always be memorable, but it had more meaning to it because of what South Carolina was in the hunt for at that point in time, which was to win the East and go to the uh, SEC title game. But they didn't. Yeah. No. But they did beat Missouri, who won the East. 
Uh, the 2019 double overtime win in Athens is always going to stand out because you beat the dogs, and I think they were ranked fourth in the country when that happened, if, I, if I'm correct. Um, and when he missed that field goal, you thought, okay, first of all, this is awesome. And second of all, all right, they're, they're going to they're gonna get kind of get it going here. You just went to Athens and went, and they couldn't really do anything with no, it. No, yeah, just couldn't. Yeah, couldn't keep that momentum up. But yeah, watching the the bespectacle of Rodrigo Blankenship miss that kick felt so good. <laughs> yeah, it did. Harrison said third in the country. He's right. Yeah, it was third. Uh, Xavier said, "Dude, according to Twitter, you can't be friends with West. They are a competing website. What are you doing, JB? Right. I, I people just you know That's right." Yeah. You got to ignore those people. I, uh, you know, while there's a lot of competition out there, I, you know, I, I've known Wes Mitchell a long time, man. He is a, he's just a wonderful guy. I think the world of him. He does a wonderful job covering, uh, covering the university of South Carolina. Uh, let's see. Uh, Clint said the fall off of the, the fall of the defense from 13 to 14 was ridiculous. It was. And that was yeah. going into the year. JC said this around here a bunch. Remember that, that off season? Um, Lorenzo Ward talking about the best. This is probably the best defense we've had, and <laughs> yeah, Johnny Manziel. We all know how that played out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which I watched that untold last night. By the way, if you haven't seen it, it's good. Really um, good. Oh, John, Johnny or uh, not Johnny Manziel? Kenny, Kenny, Kenny Trill uh, walked into Williams Bryce Stadium when they opened the SEC Network and and put that whole notion to bed that that defense was going to be better than the previous three or four under coach Spurrier or actually any of those defenses prior to 14 under coach Spurrier. It was, they were not good. Um, and I'm still not, they didn't have the guys up front. I don't think if you really look back and think about it, but I'm, I'm not convinced they were as bad as the numbers were. I just think they were pretty poorly coached and I don't mean that disrespectfully, but I just think they were pretty poorly coached. No. Uh, certainly ask David Cloninger about this because he's covered every single one of these games. But um, I don't know if I've missed any. Are there any that I've, I mean, the 2007 Tennessee game in Knoxville, um, there were two in that game that were hard. I was at that game. And... Uh, this was, of course, two years after. Yeah, it was two years after they went up there, won sixteen to fifteen. They lost this one, twenty-seven twenty-four in overtime. Carolina's winning the game. There's five seconds left. Tennessee drives down the field. They call timeout with five seconds left. You'll remember this now. They got a forty-eight yarder, and they and they knocked it through to send it to overtime. Oh um, uh, yeah, okay. They had also fumbled earlier. And recovered it. Had Carolina just recovered it, I think it was Emmanuel Cook that ran right by it. Had he just fallen on the ball, South Carolina would have won the game. And then in overtime, Tennessee kicked the field goal. And Ryan, and we were in the end zone, me and Michael Flint. And Ryan had a uh, kick from 50. Oh, it was it would have been a banger. Maybe 50. I mean, he had the leg. 55 yards, somewhere in there. And he was on the left hash mark, if I am correct. And he kicked it straight as an arrow right by the goalpost. <laughs> you know? And Carolina lost. It was hmm. tough. 
Um, Clint asks if I'm saying Deke Adams wasn't a good coach. Well, I, you know, it was a tough year. It was Deke, a tough year. Deke Adams has gotten a lot of jobs since he's been at South Carolina, man. Just, uh, he's been around the block. Xavier said, what was crazy is Rodrigo Blankenship is a heck of a kicker. We really just got lucky that game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I mean, with with everything that happened in that game, I mean, you could make the argument, really, that to carry on Joyner kind of won the game just by not doing anything ridiculous and letting the defense just they, – they played their rear ends off that day. Um, but Blankenship was a heck of a kicker. And I remember after the game, Coach Muschamp said, you know, how he felt for that kid and – you know, the human side of me says, yeah, I, I, I understand that. The um, the competitive side of me says, I don't give a damn because I've seen plenty of kickers that have come along and broke the hearts of Carolina football <laughs> over right. the years. Couldn't so, happen to a better kid. <laughs> yeah, tough, tough luck, pal. <laughs> you got a chance to win a national championship. This group over here doesn't. Uh, so don't care. Uh, but anyways, all right, it's 1130. We need to step aside. David Kloninger is due up next. We're teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com. It's the coolest club in the Carolinas. If you play golf, you want to be a part of it. Go play in the mountains. The fall is right around the – think about how hot it is outside. Don't you want to play golf in the crisp, cool air in the coming weeks in the mountains? Join Traveling Country Club, and you can do it in places like Waynesville and Mount Mitchell and others. TravelingCountryClub.com. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go game.
Welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks, the show brought to you in the first hour by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call, 864-414-5271 for all your upstate residential real estate needs. And happy to welcome back David Kloninger of the Post and Courier on the McKellar Enterprises guest line. David, good to see you. How's uh, how's preseason camp treating you here? It's hot. Yeah. It's hot. <laughs> I mean, uh, we were we had open uh, availability the other day, and it was steamy. It was 2.35 in the afternoon. And uh, we also have a next one on Friday at yeah. 2.35. And just looking at the heat index, it's supposed to be a balmy 109 out on the practice field, to which I said, hmm, there's another event on Friday at two o'clock out of Lexington High School. So I'm begging you, Cam Scott, please make there a reason to be there so I can have a working <laughs> excuse to not be a football practice. Please. <laughs> you can even change your mind later. Just get me out of this. Yeah, that's, so. that's right. Just give us some good news to get us out of the heat. <laughs> but man, it, it was steamy. And uh, apparently, as, as John Little has said on the Big Spur, uh, there were a couple of guys falling out of practice because of things that they didn't do, like hydrate, eat breakfast, and uh, that didn't go over too well with the coaching staff. So hopefully the guys have gotten the message and are getting back out there and, and doing what they need to do to stay out there these days. Yeah, that wouldn't – that ain't going to go over well with anybody. If you can't – you can't go out and practice because you haven't taken care of your body f f just from a literal hydration or uh, nutrition nutrient standpoint. Woo. Yeah, they'll take care of it for you at a later date when it's probably even hotter and you're running stairs. I, I you know, this is something we've talked to talked a lot about David and you've gotten to know Shane for a long time over the years. Well, back to when he was here under coach Spurrier, so that's what been 16 years ago. Huh, wow. When he first came here. There there is a public side of Shane Beamer. And then there's a private side of Shane Beamer when it comes to managing a football program. And he is a wonderful guy. We all know that. But he he's also – he's pretty tough when it comes to being a head coach. He's very demanding, and this is how you're going to do it, or you're not going to be around here very long. Absolutely, Jamie. I think that's what you got to be. I mean, it's not that it's a two sides of every coin thing, but you've seen it some in press conferences to where Shane gets frustrated like all of us do. Um, you know, that sometimes when his team's not playing out the potential, but in terms of just being on the practice field, yeah, he, he will be that football guy and crawl up inside your behind if you're not doing exactly what you're supposed to do. So that's a good thing to have because you can't be uh, the nice guy all the time. We know that. I mean, you have to have a lot of good cop, bad cop within yourself as one person to say, hey, you do what you do. We're going to get along just fine. But, you know, the minute you step out of line, you're going to be waiting there to pop you back in. So it's it's what you need for a football team. Obviously, all these guys have bought into it. And not to cast any light on previous regimes, because a lot of previous regimes had this problem. You yell too much at them, especially kids these days, they, they tune out. They're just not going to listen to it anymore. And, you know, these days there's even more reason for them not to listen. Because, in effect, they can just dangle that, hey, you know, I can leave here at any time and get more money, right? They can, they can dangle that over anybody's head, and you, and you have to make the choice. Are you going to back off, or are you going to let them go? I mean, like Pat Narduzzi up at Pitt, you'd be like, go ahead, leave. I don't care. <laughs> but, yep. you know, others will have to walk that line of saying, 
Mm, I really need this kid to win a football game. So there's a whole lot that goes into it. But here at South Carolina, here with Shane Beamer, he's got a very good, uh, I guess, uh, line that he walks between, you know, being the guy that we see in public and then being the football coach. And it works. I mean, obviously, the record speaks for itself. All right, uh, David, you mentioned Cam Scott. We'll, we're going to ask you about him coming up in just a little bit in this segment here. But sticking on the topic of football, the first uh, scrimmage is upcoming this Saturday. I think, is this the one that's at night? They're at night on Saturday, right? No, no, no it's at 315. Uh, yeah. And then next week's at night. Yeah, the next week is at, under the lights. Okay. okay. Um, do you or have you learned anything about about – where if they're beginning to kind of settle in on a group of starters on both sides, we special teams, we know who those guys are for the most part, but uh, on the offensive side and the defensive side of the football, we've seen some rollouts and some notes from guys who've been technically quote unquote first teamers. Of course, there have been injuries to deal with as well, but have outside of the quarterback position and probably to carry on joiner, anything that maybe has kind of caught your attention as far as who might be making a break for a starting position. I mean, there, there's a few guys in there, Jamie. I mean, nothing really outside of what we all expected to see. I mean, and keep in mind, we only get to see a few personnel groupings in a few open periods of practice, and we've only gotten to see two practices so far. So what we see may be a very clever subterfuge about what may actually happen. I mean, we all remember the Dukes-Mayo Bowl where our open practices, the, the carry-on joiner wasn't taking any reps of quarterback. I mean, Shane knew damn well what he was doing. It's like, ah, don't don't do it there while they watching. Now that's got to be our secret, you know. So, but you know, th- there's nothing there that that's really stood out. I mean, there's maybe a couple of guys at backup roles, like notably King Dominion Ford has been getting a lot of reps at backup defensive back and backup safety, and saying like, mm, okay, maybe you know that's something to keep an eye on. And then uh, you know, Juice Wells, as I've illustrated uh, in some of my newsletters the past week, he hasn't been out there with the first, second, and at least the last day, even the third string offense. But that's mostly been, you know, as I've said, look, that's a, kind of not a payback, but a like, hey, um, your offseason could have been a little bit better, and maybe you need to kind of re-earn your spot here. Now, I don't say that to, you know, cast any boogeyman over the season, because I go and say it. Against North Carolina, Juice Wells is going to start. All right, that's 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 it. I mean, <laughs> they're not stupid over there. So, no. but obviously, the young man, you know, had some other opportunities this summer that he took advantage of, where it maybe it had been better served for the team had he stayed here in Columbia and, and done some working out. But other than that, there hasn't been a whole lot of like, hey, what's that guy doing out there, or you know, what's this guy doing on the sidelines? So there've been a few uh, injuries, notably to Stone Blanton. He's been working off to the side, but that's not something that should keep him out of anything long-term okay on the juice well side of things you you mentioned that and i've kind of heard some similar things but to your point he's he might be the best wide receiver in the sec he's he's going to be fine uh xavier leggett is a guy who i have at least been told kind of off the record dc that of all the receivers at South Carolina, he's probably the one that had the the best summer of everybody. What have you heard about him? Same, and and really, it all uh, spawned from that Gator Bowl performance, Jamie. I mean, we know Xavier Legad. I mean, he's been up and down. He's had some really good catches and some really good like. Man, how, how did you not catch that one? Even in that first play in the Gator Bowl, if you remember, little swing pass screen. Uh, he was sitting Bobbled on the it. side, quick snap and go, bobbled it and dropped it. And I'm like, 
So you're back to this again, are you? And then he caught that amazing <laughs> touchdown that the second one he caught. And I thought, did, did he actually, oh my Lord, like how did he get that? And I think he kind of knew it's like, hey, this is your chance. You're, you've got a cusp of momentum. Stinks that the team didn't win the game, but you've got something going for yourself. So he stayed and really committed himself to the offseason. He's had a great, uh, great role so far. He's doing well in practices. And right now there's no reason to think that he, Marion Brown, and Juice won't be your starting three receivers uh, on September 2nd against North Carolina. The, the tight end room, of course, as we know, is beginning to to get lots and lots of attention. Um, Phil, I'm going to take a quick opportunity here to pat myself on the back. I said six months ago that Josh Simon was going to be a name people needed to remember because everybody was focused on Trey Knox, and that's great, and they should be. But Josh Simon can play football, David. Uh, when you watch him out there, what do you see in that kid? I mean, big – aggressive, physical. He's not going to be uh, – if, if he's in line to block you, he's going to win the matchup. And he's a guy that can deliver a block downfield if he's trying to clear out the way for any of his receivers or his running backs. So he can also catch the ball. And, you know, off the field, he's a, he's a, a guy who likes to joke around a good bit. I saw him at media day, and he's wearing his jersey. And I swear, they must have given him Josh Van's old jersey and then just stitch the nameplate because it looked like he's about to bust out the thing. I'm like, are they going to work with you on that? Because you can't fit your pads under it right now. And he was kind of laughing and joking about it. But, you know, he and Trey have really come in and, and bought into the system. They're old guys. They know yep. what they have to do to, to get on the field. They know they're being looked on as leaders because, you know, obviously, fellas, we're sitting here in December, and the tight, room, the tight end room is barren. There's just nobody in it. So I was like, well, okay, that's that's a little bit of a problem. But they refilled with a great bunch of guys, and those two are the big-time leaders. So as I've heard so far, two tight end is going to be another mainstay of the playbook, as it was last year and the year before it. And Knox and Simon are your prob- probably going to be your two starters out there. So we'll see what happens, you know, with all the different formations and everything. But both of those guys have been uh, terrific. And, you know, for your question, for Simon specifically, he's a guy that's like, I know I didn't come from Arkansas with the offensive coordinator. That doesn't matter. I can still play football. And you can see it out there that he knows exactly what he's doing. And what really speaks to me, the younger guys, Connor Cox, Reed McKeska, well, maybe not Reed, he's been banged up a little bit, and uh, Nick Elksness, they've been going up to him. He's been giving them pointers in between reps. You just mentioned something here. I think that it's a it's a friendly reminder to a lot of folks who, uh, and I'm not saying anybody who follows recruiting should not or should react in any way, shape, or form, but it's just a different game, David. As you just mentioned, eight eight months ago, Everybody was scared to death of what was going to happen with the tight end position. There wasn't even one on the roster in the game in the bowl game except for Nate Atkins. And, and and eight months later, you can make an argument it might be the strongest position on the team. I'm not saying it is or isn't, but you can make an argument for it. In addition to that, though, I, we, we've thrown this stat around here a decent amount, um, and I'm going to use it again to have a conversation with you. But th- these are numbers going into the year, so obviously they're going to increase uh, much more here, but – uh, Mario Anderson to carry on Joiner, Juju McDowell, and then the wide receivers slash tight ends, Wells, Brown, Leggett, Lewis, Knox, and Simon have a combined 35 years of collegiate experience, David. That's a lot. And that's also over 10,000 yards that they have gained collectively and 123 collective touchdowns in their uh, time in college football as well, in addition to 257 games played overall, which is amazing. Uh, you've been covering this sport a long time, and you've been covering South Carolina uh, your whole career, basically. 
I don't remember. Uh, I didn't even mention the guy named Spencer Rattler. I'm just talking about the playmakers here. I didn't. I don't remember a team in Columbia with that much experience. But those that have had a bunch of experience, what do you remember about those teams? And is there anything that we could compare this experience to that? Well, I mean, there's always no no replacement for experience, production, being out there and actually doing it, especially when you've been in the SEC or you've been at USC for a number of years. Obviously, because of COVID, because of the transfer rule, you get a lot of advantages that you wouldn't have had in years past to where you have the super seniors and you have a lot of guys who've been in for five, six years. You, Jordan Strawn starting his seventh year of college football. I haven't talked to him yet because he's been recovering from that ACL, but I want to go up to him and be like, have you gotten to rent a car yet? I mean, because you're 25 years old now, right? I mean, you, you're going to be start drawing Social Security pretty soon. But, you know, rent that's just the advantage that, that you got out of these things. So, obviously, this team in terms of uh, that kind of experience and then last year with the Super Seniors, they're going to have more than any other previous Carolina team has had. Uh, I always think back, though, to um, probably the 94-95 uh, team, Brad Scott's first year. That team had a lot of returning experience. You kind of had the um, the last results of Sparky's first recruiting class coming around. Tanny Hill was a junior. Then you had Brandon Bennett behind him and said, you know, that's the kind of team that's got a lot of experience, a lot of guys who might not have won much games, but they've been in there in the trenches in the battles. And you thought, but it's a first-year head coach. We'll see what, what they can do. Well, they end up going seven and five to beat Georgia, beat Clemson, won the school's first bowl game. So, that would probably be the one I think of in terms of like uh, just so much experience coming back. You didn't really have that in Spurrier's first year. Um, I guess in the in the great run between 11, 12, 13, it was probably the 12 team I'm thinking that had a lot of that experience coming back. Or maybe it was 11. Um, let's see. Stefan left after the 2010 season. But probably yeah. that, that, that 2011 season, yeah, they had a Coming back, and you know they had a great season. They, they were eleven and two, but of course, even as ball coach says today, that Auburn game, God, that game still aggravates me. You know, it just there's no way they should have lost that game. But you know, that's off the topic. But there's been a few Jamie that that have just brought back so much. But in terms of those raw numbers, snaps, games. Uh, you know, yardage, touchdowns. Of course, nobody's going to touch what the Gamecocks have gotten in this year. I mean, uh, 35 years of experience, that's getting into some Brad Johnson, Sherrod Green territory. Like at the Gator Bowl last year, I'm like, you guys have been in for a combined 12 years. 12 years. It's like, uh, that's that's the how the game, uh, I guess, uh, shook out for those two young men. Yeah, I mean, and when you add this year into it, I mean, you're talking about Three, six, nine, you're talking about 33 years, or I'm sorry, um, 35, 44 years. And then you had Spencer. I mean, you're talking about 50 years of college football here. Uh, and, and I think that's one of the things kind of rolling it into to carry on that, that has, I, I, we know he's pretty much separated himself as RB1. And, you know, God, God forbid something happens, but, when they step on the field in Charlotte on September the 2nd, he's going to be the guy that trots out there first at the running back spot. And I think that's one of the reasons, uh, David, why they, they are feeling better and better about him each day because he's he's been in college for five years. He's not having, he's having to adjust to being a running back, but he has been a quarterback, so he knows what those guys do. He's also been a wide receiver, and he understands what those guys do. But he's not having to adjust to the speed of the game. He's used to right. the speed of the game at this level. Now it's just about learning a new position, and I think that's where the 
again, reading between the lines here with the with the staff and their comments, a lot of where where they see their confidence in this kid that they think he could actually have a pretty darn good year back there. Oh, sure. And you can look at it. I mean, we got to speak to him the other day, uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, and we already knew it from the offseason, but he's put on about 15 pounds, looks, uh, you know, just a little more swollen up top, you know, added some upper body strength, which he's going to need as an SEC running back. So I, I still think that it's probably going to be a running back by committee. Uh, kind of position, you know, say to carry on, maybe gets 12 carries and Juju gets eight and Mario Anderson gets six, something like that to just where they don't have to run one guy into the line 30 times. I mean, it's great when you can do that and have production. I always think of Marcus Lattimore versus Georgia as a freshman, but mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to have that luxury here. I mean, there's just not enough known there. So, um, you know, he's he's ready for it. He knows how to take the contact. It's not like when he was playing Wildcat quarterback, he just kind of stood back there until the hole opened and then took off. I mean, pretty much when he was in, everybody knew it was going to be a run and play, and he took off right away. So in that regard, there's really no difference to be between what he's going to be asked to play. But obviously running back will take a little bit more wear and tear on you. Uh, you'll be going more into the teeth of the line instead of trying to maybe scramble around it. So – We'll see how it goes. But we all know to carry on Joyner is going to give it everything he can. I mean, you ask him to, to run through that brick wall, he's going to do it, and he's going to keep doing it. So he's that kind of kid. He's there for the team, and you can only hope for the, the best for him. Uh, the good thing is I, t- I spoke to a bunch of his offensive linemen, and they said, like, we've seen the sacrifice that he's given to this team, and we've taken that to heart. So not that we're not going to do it for the other guys, but when D- DK's back there running the ball, it's going to be like, hey, be on your toes. Make sure this gets done. Make sure he gets out of that pile as clean as possible. David Cloninger, Post and Courier. You can follow him on Twitter if you don't. You should at DCP and C. He's a Rock Hill boy, by the way, for all you Rock Hill guys out there and gals. Um, Spencer Rattler. He uh, how much? I know we've seen very little to this point, but you've seen more than the rest of us. What have you seen? How's he look? Terrific. I mean, and as he did in, in practice a lot last year, as he did in a lot of uh, snaps last year. I mean, the thing that dogged his first 10 games last year was the hesitancy in the interceptions. And, you know, we can always go back and cut up interceptions, say, ah, oh, well, I, I was a tip ball or the receiver ran the wrong route. He's taken ownership and said, like, I didn't do any of that. I looked at the numbers and said, yeah, I threw 10 picks last year and they're all my fault. So if he's saying it, I'm like, oh, okay, great, you know, but – he, it's it's like an unspoken thing, Jamie. I mean, he knew that he's being looked on to be the leader of this team. He knows that he's got a lot at stake after this season. And as Shane Beamer said, he still does have another year of college if he wants it. <laughs> um, but uh, he, he knows. And All that's right. a lot of the receivers and uh, Trey Knox went out to Phoenix with him over the offseason to work. That's why he was helping to lead the uh, the off the field non coach supervised OTAs to get out and just throw her, throw the ball around with his receivers, and he's just showing command out there. He feels comfortable, confident. Just got to go out there and do it during the game. And to me, I think it's a huge benefit for him personally to play a team like North Carolina that doesn't have a renowned defense. I mean, I haven't read up a lot on them, but all I know is like, well, they lost a couple of guys, and their defense was trash last year. It was absolutely trash. So that's got to open you up and, and make you feel really good as a quarterback. And, of course, it's going to be a case of, all right, well, you may have to get in a shootout here and win it, 
but Spencer Rattler's been in those before and done a fine job. I mean, look look at the Tennessee game, right? Yeah. So he's looked great. He's looked terrific. And uh, it's just going to be a case of like, all right, got to go out there and do it during the game. I tell you what, man, you got to be encouraged. If you if you heard Coach Loggins at the uh, at the Birdies with Beamer golf event last, I think it was last week or the week before, whenever that was, a couple weeks ago, uh, he he said his job with Spencer Rattler is to get him there and then let him go. Mm-hmm. He's you know, and basically is what he t- said. You know, look, I, I want to get him to where he needs to be, and once he's clicking and he's hot, let him stay hot. Let him go play football. And um, and last year, seemingly when they decided that that was going to be the new plan with him, simplify and let him do the things he's good at doing. There, I mean, I don't know. Somebody could probably find me a better quarterback in the country at that point in time. Maybe maybe Bryce Young. I don't know, but he was up there uh, those last couple of games of the season. And uh, we'll see what happens from there. You mentioned UNC. I did see your retweet earlier yesterday. The news broke that their top wideout, Tez Walker was ruled ineligible for 2023, but it looks like the Tar Heels have already appealed and they feel confident about it. And and you never know. I mean, that could just be bluster, but because uh, I've, I've heard it on both sides. I mean, when talking about Jordan Strawn's appeal this year, the coach is like, oh, yeah, we feel really, really, really good about that. I'm like, oh, okay, and then it gets approved. But then also Hurst's like, well, you know, we feel pretty good about Dante Miller winning another year of eligibility, and he didn't. So I've, I've seen both sides of it. I know how it can go. But to me, it, the rule, what the problem seems to be that UNC will be appealing is that, look, he applied under the rules that said he was going to be eligible. And he was in here two days before you guys changed the rule. That's not his fault. So I'm sure this might just be a case of like, hey, you know, you just got to resubmit it and everything will be fine. But you never know with the NCAA. I mean, and it could be that somebody in the NCA is also like North Carolina, huh? I think we've done them enough favors. Maybe, maybe we'll just, uh, you know, take this for ourselves. And you, you shouldn't look at it like that, but you know it comes into play. You know human nature is going to come into play because somebody's going to be holding a grudge. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, that's beneficial for the Gamecocks. It's an awful blow for that young man, especially as he's illustrated his his uh, reasons for why he wanted to come back because his grandmother is not in great health and she is in uh, driving distance to be able to come see him play if he is to play at UNC. So we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, there's a long time between now and September 2nd. I'm hoping that the NCAA will do the right thing. But, of course, to me, this kind of resembles the uh, the Mike Grosso situation. Like, hey, South Carolina had him in school and played by the rules and he wasn't on scholarship, but he could play this year. Because you didn't ever said he couldn't play. You said he couldn't be on scholarship. And they're like, oh, well, we changed our mind. Now he can't play. You know, what? what's the rule? So if he got in under the old rule and then they changed the rule, that's not his fault. But you never know how these things go. I mean, the NCAA has been known to dock you if you've got one comma out of place in your appeal. So we'll see what happens. But me personally, just kind of reading, reading the tea leaves and saying South Carolina's never this lucky. I mean, come on now. <laughs> I mean, remember Jarvis Moss for crying out loud? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I talked about that. See Tez Walker on the field, uh, you know, all September second. That's the second Jarvis Moss reference on today's episode. This yeah, is we a were... bad show, man. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it, yeah, that's right. Like, I was standing in the end zone waiting for that ball to come into the uprights above my head. I was like, man, this is going to be a great lead to a story. And I'm like, oh, ah. <laughs> been here before. Yeah, that's that right. was. 
That was the third kick that was blocked that game. Oh, I remember. <laughs> I was Carolina. there. <laughs> that was just still to this day. Gosh, you talk about deflating moments in Gamecock football history. That one is right up there towards the top. <laughs> Uh, on the court, though, uh, you you already mentioned it. Uh, Cam Scott is expected to make a decision Friday afternoon about his two. future. Yeah, two o'clock. What are, what are you hearing? Right now it's down to three that I've heard, South Carolina, Alabama, and Texas. And I don't have a, you know, a, a leader or a, I'm going to pick this or I feel good about it. It's just those three. And I think that right now – Cam is in the process of calling his other finalists. I think he named six at the outset and saying, hey, thanks, but I'm not coming. So I think South Carolina will be one of those three that he doesn't call, but we'll have to see what happens on Friday afternoon. Because, again, I'm not saying this to be the gloomy Gus or everything, because everything I've heard says it's really a pull for that young man to stay home and to help build this program. But, of course, there are other considerations. And you never know how this thing's going to go. Now, I'm never going to ruin a young man or young lady's moment, even when I've known that they're coming. I've never done that. What I have done is exist to my own uh, system of like texting the powers that be or the coaches the day before the day of the announcement and say, hey, as a South Carolina beat writer, do I need to be there? And they'll tell me yes or no. And if I'm there, then that means I've been given info that says I should have been there, right? Well, that's worked a lot. It's worked a whole lot. But there was also the time, hey, man, you think I need to be at the ceremony? Yeah, you need to go. Okay. Hey, Seventh Woods, what's with that North Carolina cap? What what, what are you doing? What are you doing? Is this this a joke? (laughs) You never know. You never know. And, of course, as I found out later, that changed the literal hour before he made the announcement. The hour before. The Seventh Woods announcement? Well, he ended up. I mean, it was done, and apparently the young man woke up. He he always loved UNC. He that was his childhood dream, and he woke up that morning and was like, "I just really want to go to UNC. I know what I told USC. I know I know there's the pull of that. I know what I've said, but I really want to go to UNC." And like I said, I'm sitting there going, ready to hit send on the story, right? Ready to post it right away. All of a sudden, I'm like. Are you going to pull a Savelle here and doff that cap, put on another one? What's what's what's, what's going on here? <laughs> I'm just looking what? at him. He keeps wearing it and shaking hands. I thought, what did <laughs> – and, of course, I'm texting, hey, what happened? And I'm getting back a lot of profanity-riddled texts. Oh. So it's like, hmm. But, like I said, there's that one time. that It's always the exception. So it's – we'll see. But uh, what's today? Wednesday at 12 o'clock. I'll tell you, I'm planning to be there. On Friday at two. There's 48 Ooh. hours where that might change, but we'll see. So, so somebody strap an air tag onto Cloninger and we'll figure <laughs> out where he is. <laughs> you know how and again, yeah. like I mentioned before, it may be that I'm like, well, let's just say I'm not saying this why I'm not just saying, like say I'm like, hey, I don't think you need to, to be there. I'd be like, Yeah, but it's 109 at football practice. So yeah, right. yeah that's true. Play. There is the other factor there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said he needed to be in Lexington. He didn't say he needed to be at Cam Scott's announcement. He might be going to Zesto or God only knows <laughs> yeah. where he ends up. Man, I That's got a Zesto way. right around the corner. But <laughs> You know what's going to happen? You know how it uh, works in the uh, in December, D.C.? Everybody starts uh, tracking airplanes for college football. Someone's going to be t- tailing you Friday a.m. to see where, where you're headed. Yeah. So. 
I'll, I'll go ahead down to Dick Dyer and see if I can get the same deal Spencer got on that new Mercedes tank yeah. he's driving. I'd be like, yeah, man, just loan it out to me for an hour. I'm not going to pull any Jimmy Foster stuff and drive off, you know, out of the car. Right. <laughs> just a really long test drive. <laughs> do, do you think, just out of curiosity here, uh, and, and um, we're due for a break, but Phil, we're, we're okay today. Um, uh, do you think, just out of curiosity, had Seventh Woods – can't believe we're even talking about this. this is, you never know what's going to happen around here. Had Seventh Woods committed to South Carolina out of high school and 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 uh, played his entire career in Columbia, how different do you think it would be from going up there and, and having to compete with the guys he had to compete with to get some floor time? I mean, seventh play point guard, right? Mm-hmm. So South Carolina had a pretty good point guard at the time. And PJ Dozier. And it should be noted that without seventh, South Carolina got to the final four. Now seventh was also there, and he got himself a nice shiny ring. So who knows, man? It's always fun to kind of think about that. But, you know, just looking at the way his career tracked, he was a really good player and a great player in high school. And he had gotten a lot of this hype from eighth grade you know, dunk contests or, or dunk mixtapes. Mm-hmm. Was his game really that good? Now, he was pretty good at North Carolina before he got hurt. Uh, there was some of that, but they weren't going to let him be the show. It was going to have to be a very team-motivated thing because look at the team that they had around him. And obviously, was it Marcus Page was their point guard at that point? I think that was it. A really good player. Um so who knows? I mean, you look at it and say, well, you know, P.J. left and maybe he could have replaced P.J. Yeah, maybe, but who knows? I mean, the fact is, is that, you know, seventh went to UNC and didn't have the career he wanted to have. Who knows if they would have given him the ball more here. It's hard to think that they would have considering that P.J. was in front of him. But maybe that second year, third year, fourth year, it would have turned out different. But I couldn't say for sure. All I know is that I saw a really good high school player that just didn't make it in college for whatever reason, and he did have some really serious medical issues. I mean, once he got here, he had Mm -hmm. some kind of problem. I believe it was with his kidneys, something like that, where where he was in the hospital for a while. So who knows? But, you know, it's it's, that's that's long in the past. And, yeah, I mean, we we can sit here and talk all that day, and before before too long we'll get to like, yeah, well, you know, Coach Morrison hadn't told him in 84 that – they're going to be in the Orange Bowl no matter what. We'll see, what's, we'll see what happens there. Okay. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, that, and we'll let you run on that note, bud. It's amazing. Seventh Woods, uh, three years in North Carolina, one at South Carolina. And a lot of people don't even realize this. He actually finished his career at Morgan State, mm-hmm. uh, where he uh, uh, averaged under five points per game in his final year of college basketball. Crazy stuff. All right. Um, what will we be looking for? Don't give me the John Whittle answer. I asked another day. Hey, you know, what are we going to be looking for on the big spur of the next few days? Football. Oh, okay. Thanks, John. <laughs> uh, so it's just like I asked him, will we ask him, Phil? Um, hey, John, you'll be at practice. What are you going to be watching? Uh, probably stretching. Oh, stretching. all right. <laughs> <laughs> He's not so, wrong. He is no, right. Yeah. yeah. Just, you know, just to the point. Um, what will, what's on the, the docket for the Post and Courier off of your desk over the next few days? Well, there's a story up right now on our website about the other freshman receiver that's really standing out at South Carolina football practice, not the one you're thinking of. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it was a kind of an invested interest for myself, but, hey, I didn't plan to do it. 
I'm just going by what the coaches have told me. So uh, there, there's that. And then there'll be a couple of stories this weekend on some uh, new additions to the Gamecocks team. And also a uh, not necessarily a what if story, but more of an explanatory story of one of the biggest uh, moments from last season and uh, how it happened the way it happened. So just keep an eye out. Let's see. Let me think of a good one. It has to do with the final two games of the regular season. Let's just say that. Oh. And, um, you know, there'll, there'll be some other things. Shane Beamer's going to wrap up the scrimmage on Saturday for us. And, uh, you know, of course, we'll, we'll report what he says, but it's hard to know exactly what went on since we don't get to watch it. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be able to hit some people up and they'll be able to tell me, hey, so-and-so look good. And hopefully I won't get a, hey, so-and-so got hurt. Well, those those are the worst kinds of things to happen on a Saturday afternoon. But then, you know, just wrapping up another week of practice and getting into it. And then on Monday, uh, the AP Top 25 yeah. comes out. Uh, I, I knew that they weren't going to be in the coaches' top 25, that they were going to be just outside of it. I've been getting mixed results on the AP saying, like, well, I voted for them and some others. Oh, I didn't. So I'm not a voter. So, uh, you know, not up to me. But AP uh, Top 25, which is the one that we run in the paper, we'll see if they're kind of the Gamecocks. And if they're not ranked, they're going to be real close to being ranked. So we'll see how it goes. My gut tells me they squeeze in there 24-25 to make this a top 25 matchup. I mean, and, and, again, Iowa wasn't ranked either. I just don't see how Iowa got enough votes to be 26 when they're averaging 13 points a game. <laughs> I, it blew my mind too, and I kept getting McNamara, McNamara, McNamara. I was like, I don't see what. That <laughs> right? yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's still Ferentz, Ferentz, Ferentz. <laughs> the, the, the preseason gets goofier and goofier every year, man. With some of the stuff, it's, it's always nice to have a little number behind beside your name. But fellas, I mean, outside yeah. of last year. Uh, you know, when, when um, they, they played Notre Dame and then ended in the final poll, you remember the last time South Carolina was ranked before that. 2017. 20, no, 2018. And I'm, I'm, I should say I am talking about the AP poll, AP poll coming in. Not the oh, coming into the year, coming into the year, 2014. Or, or actually, any time, any time before a game. Was it 2014? Yeah. Yeah, uh, A and M, the infamous Kenny Chesney yeah, game. That, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Kenny. Appreciate that. I, I said, it, ain't nothing much gone right since that guy showed up. Did, didn't they? I thought they uh, cracked the top twenty-five after uh, after one of their wins in twenty seventeen. Am I wrong about that? Or twenty sixteen? Didn't they crack it after they beat Tennessee in twenty sixteen? Did they not? Uh, no, they they beat a ranked Tennessee team that everybody called. Was yeah, because Tennessee had been ranked the week before, mm-hmm. and they got smoked. And then they were coming into that game, and I was like, I think pretty much everybody I knew said South Carolina will win that game, including yeah. me. So I was like, Tennessee's not good. And that was Jake's second, third start, I think second. Yeah, and he beat him. But yeah, just at least according to the in the media guy. Now, AP poll, not USA Today coaches poll. It was the last time they were ranked before uh, the Notre Dame game and then ending the season last year was 14. Yeah, well, that didn't do quick. The season ranked, I think. I'm not sure if they actually fell. They didn't fall out, but then they won three or four straight and then played Missouri during the week Chesney came in, game day. To which getting game day in Charlotte. They were number nine in the preseason poll, I think, that year. 
going into I am, that game. I am dearly hoping, that, and I don't know who they're going to pick, but when they do the guest picker, this is a neutral site, so I don't know. Like, Two. if they'll leave one side. We've already figured this out. They need Dar- – I, I don't know if they got room, but – They need to do you- Darius and Eric Church. Chief is a North Carolina guy, and we all know about Darius. Darius yeah, – I mean, Darius has been on there before. I mean, and, and I know that they don't like to do repeats. Well, they need to get over it. I mean, because well, <laughs> we've again, seen pitching Kenny Chesney was a curse on this team that that rivals you know Pitchfork Ben back in the day. But um, I will say this: my my friend uh, Michael Haney, who's just a a great guy and a great songwriter and a great singer in Nashville. Michael had a great suggestion if they do pick a South Carolina quote unquote representative for the game day picker, Danny uh, McBride. Danny McBride, yes. Kenny yes. Effenbauer. The guy lives That's in Charleston. Right. He lives he on the island. He lives in Charleston. It's right. like, yeah. who wouldn't be more perfect? I'm like, finally, they're going to get somebody that's better than when Clemson had Bill Murray. Uh, yeah. here and I said, hold on a second. Clemson gets Bill Murray and South Carolina had to get Kenny Chesney? Really? Yeah. That's it's, it's, that's it's a topic I've I've screamed myself hoarse about, but as I said, well, you know, it's not our policy to pick somebody connected to the school. I'm like, yet you've pretty much always done that, right? Yeah, pretty much always. somehow. Well, especially yeah. for the schools. I will that say, and, yeah. Clemson got Bill Murray that year, but they had two game days that year. They hosted two, and the other one was Eric Stone Street. Eric Stone Street's a funny guy. He's a very yeah. talented actor. But he's a Kansas State guy. That's where he went. That's who he loves. I'm like, why's this guy at Clemson? I don't make any sense. But still, I was like, ah, well, you know, they they managed to. And then old, old Kenny showed up here. I'm like, I don't. I still Taylor I, Swift. Thirteen leagues, six minutes to play. <laughs> you lost five points. I'm trying to think of like uh, famous folks that live in Charlotte too. Would would be easy for them, but I. I, mean, I does, does Nature Boy still live? He's got to live in Charlotte, right? Flair, he's got yeah, to. Oh, that'd be a great one. Yeah, well, he 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 was a quote Gamecock fan when Steve was here. <laughs> he always called for those sideline passes. He's walking I'm around. I'm sure Dale Earnhardt Jr. lives up there, right? I mean, Denny and Concord yeah. somewhere. He still pulls for Carolina. But then I don't know how they're going to pick it. Like, if you're only doing one at a neutral site, what do you do? Because to me, and I doubt he would do it, but I'd say Michael Jordan ain't doing anything since he just sold the Hornets. Why don't you go pick him? He lives right up there. <laughs> He's got nothing I mean, going seriously, on. Seriously, why not? I mean, well, yeah, is a UN, and so it, it ties in nicely with the UNC thing, but I doubt MJ would be like, yeah, okay, I'm going to waste my time by walking down here to do that. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. go sit in the heat and uh, and do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I'm going to stay with my. They need to go with Darius and Chief and let them battle because Darius has a new album coming out. Eric's touring. There, it's new. The day before, though, on the first, that Friday morning, Darius is performing on the Today Show in New York. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he could get back fast enough. See, because he's right. promoting his new album. That's a good time for him. There'll be a lot of great, great folks to get there. It's just I don't know how they're going to do it, and especially with I guess the revamped show now without David Pollock. I mean. That who was gonna, is move. it? Oh, it's, it's awful. And uh, who are they, who, who are they gonna have? I mean, Corso and is it Reese Davis and still Herbie, or did Herbie leave? No, nah, he's still there. I, I've lost track yeah. with all the, the, the he's still there. Desmond's still there. They, I, I don't mean this disrespectfully, but they, they have a couple of people that they put on there over the last couple of years, and I don't know why they're not any good. No. Uh, from the reporting standpoint, they, they, they literally bring nothing to the table. Why they let David Pollock off of that thing is 
he was the best one they had, but you know. Of course, all, everybody at USC would look at David Pollock and going. No, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I was in that end zone when that happened. I'll was never it? Yeah. that moment. <laughs> you couldn't have made that play again if he tried it a thousand times. No. But no. he did it that time. Yeah. And still, was... if Andrew Pettit catches that pitch, it's just yep. like, oh, that was a great play, but you lost. That's right. That's exactly right. It uh exactly. Oh, yeah. Boy. I, yeah, and, and don't bring that up around Corey Jenkins because he won't hurt you. He's gotten a little better with it like now when friends like text him, hey, that game came on replay. He's like, Great, did we win this time? <laughs> yeah, they, they still show that game. Who's showing oh, that man. thing? I mean, that play. That play was what got him the, the Butkus and the Lombardi and all the, the big awards that he got. And I think he would have made a really good pro linebacker, David Pollock, but he had he got a neck uh, the, the injury. neck problem. Yeah. So great guy. Great guy. We'll let you run on that note. Can't wait. Uh we can't wait for some of these stories and uh especially especially the one you just teased and look forward to reading about Elijah Caldwell, who played for my former Offensive coordinator at Wando and pitching coach, one of the funniest, quietly funniest dudes alive, Paige Wofford at Northwestern. He will sneak up on you in a hurry. and You don't realize it. So thanks, man. We look forward to getting you back in. Stay cool, and uh, we'll be tracking your vehicle on Friday morning. No worries, guys. Hopefully I'm checking in with you from Lexington High School on uh, Friday afternoon. Take That'd care. That'd be good. Right. See you. There thanks, you go, David Longer with the post and Courier. We are way late for a break. So we're going to do that. It's not the top of the hour, but we're going to treat it that way. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston, part of the Chief Sports Network. We'll be right back. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston! Electric Bikes of Charleston!
Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style. In seconds, they're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in the Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Bryce looking better and better. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, everybody. About 20 minutes after 12, we begin the second hour. <laughs> Only fitting, but the conversation with David Cloninger is so good, you know, you just let it go until it, you know, finally resolves itself. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, man, I'm looking forward to what he's got coming up, and he kind of teased it. So we know it's going to be some type of backstory of the final couple of games of the 2022 season. We all remember those games well. Tennessee and Clemson for South Carolina. So uh, if you are not a subscriber to the Post and Courier, uh, you um, probably might maybe want to be. 
I head to the posting courier.com to do the, do so. You can download their app as well. I, you know what? I miss the old days, Phil. I miss the old days of, of that, uh, newspaper landing on the driveway and you walk down and get it. And I, I'm kind of an old soul with some stuff. I really am. I mean, not even 40 yet. So I'm young. And, um, but when I was a kid, I used to love to read the newspaper, specifically the sports section. And that's never going to happen again. I don't think, you know what, everything always kind of comes back. So maybe one day it will, um, but not in the near future, but I do miss that. That was, uh, those are good times. Do they not do a paper copy anymore or do you, or you just subscribe online? No, they do, but, um, yeah, it's not. You know, I wonder how I much mean, more it is than their online subscriptions. I don't. Know. You got to figure. I mean, the the fewer number they print, the more pricey they're going to be. There's a fine line between, <laughs> you know, how much you're going to pay for the paper copy and just go online to read it on your phone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I. Uh, yeah. I don't know, man. But um, we. Um, no, we'll never get those days back. That's for sure. But I mean, I I love the post and Kurt. David is excellent at what he does. He's so good at covering yeah. South Carolina. So um, glad I glad I have that. That's for sure. Uh, hey, uh, listen up and listen closely. If you or someone you know is looking for work, uh, a couple of painters is hiring, and that should tell you something. They they're doing pretty darn good. They are slammed busy. And they paint all over Georgia and all over the state of South Carolina. Um, you gotta you gotta be able to travel, of course. But you can call Tristan, and uh, he's the owner. Tristan Still, wonderful, wonderful man. We're proud to partner with them. And um, of course, I'm sitting here accidentally FaceTiming him, so I apologize to that, Tristan. Don't answer that. I don't even know how I just did that. What just happened? Um, if you or someone you know is looking for work, a couple of painters, as I just mentioned, they are hiring. The phone number is 803-522-6832. 803-522-6832. If you would like to uh, join their team, um, if you've got some young guys, whether they're teenagers or, or, you know, younger twenties or whatever it is, or you're an established experienced painter, you know, if you don't have any experience, but are interested in doing it, they'll, they'll train you on how to do it. Uh, so make sure you call that number and make sure that you, uh, spread the news. If you know someone looking for work, 803-522-6832, a couple of painters, and we're proud that they paint our show Garnet and Black every day as well bobby says he's here in savannah he'll paint some stuff well you'll have to call Kristen. i'm not sure if uh, uh tristan i'm not sure if they have anything in savannah or not but y'all can certainly uh, work that out jimmy said that's like the sec network the acc network is better than the sec network is it I, I don't i don't watch a ton of the acc network i like the sec network i think they've done a fantastic job i, I guess my question would be why why do you say that jimmy what um what what in your mind makes the ACC's network better than that of the SEC? I'm not, I'm just curious. Uh, everybody has their own opinions and that's fine. But um, I enjoy the SEC network, especially in season. Uh, their, their SEC nation, I think, is good 
Phil. And yeah. Laura Rutledge is unbelievable as a host. She's fantastic. Uh, the rest of those guys are pretty good. Fine Bomb, of course, is pretty goofy, but uh, the show overall is good. But I'll tell you what I love about the SEC Network. It's after the ball games. Like, if I'm not in Columbia, so I'm not traveling, um, or if I am, I'm going, you know, staying at a friend's or a hotel or whatever it is, uh, and then weekends when I'm home, being able to watch the SEC Network at night for the recap, that hour-long show, that's – I love that show. And that yeah, used that's to my be- favorite post-game or post, you know – Day, <laughs> end of the day, end of the end of the football day show is the SEC one. What yeah, call it? Uh, in SEC inside or um, gosh, SEC inside, right? Isn't that it? Is this the one with Dari Noka and or uh, SEC recap or whatever they call it? Something, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's something like that. But it's good, and mm-hmm. it used to be like that on ESPN. Uh, the the late night show that would recap all the games. I mean, that one was still pretty good too. But the SEC one, in my opinion, is 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 a lot better. Mm-hmm. But I like the SEC network. I think they do a good job. And if you ever want to laugh, cut on Fine Bomb in the afternoon. I mean, <laughs> the thing the thing with that though, and every look every show, there's people out there that don't like our show, Phil. And I get it. Yeah. You know, everybody. <laughs> Everybody has their own cup of tea. I understand it. I understand media. Wait, what? It. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. It's all right. All right. Um, but um, but I don't. Uh, I I and and I like the Fine Bomb Show. So I but I can there's there's only there's I can only listen to so much of the same type of call or two. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. Like some That's of one of the reasons, gets, yeah, why we don't have callers on here. <laughs> yeah, because guys like Craig would be calling in, you know, talking about poisoning his neighbors, you know, oak trees, and and then our boy Clint here, he'd be he'd be calling in, trying to fight, you know, seventy six, and you know, Quantrell would challenge someone to a you know a wrestling match somewhere and yeah, yeah, yeah take yeah. him on anywhere Paul. blind score blind squirrel will get worn out every time he calls because yeah we know he's a georgia guy yeah right i'm just kidding, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh lance would be calling in house every, every time yeah and that's right under, lance probably be one of my favorite callers <laughs> we wouldn't understand half of uh of uh of half of what he's trying to say you know so i don't know Xavier said we're making a pretty good case for calls. Look, we've just dis- we've discussed it, and it's not totally off the table. We might do that one day, but uh, you know, right now is uh, probably not the time for that. Uh, Craig, by the way, speaking of Craig, uh, today is uh, his three hundred and sixty fourth day, being forty nine years old. Tomorrow he will be fifty. So, uh, Phil, uh, let's throw Craig a birthday party tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. I need to make a right. make a special graphic for you there, Craiger. Yeah, yeah. Be yeah, fun. we'll uh, mm-hmm. we'll throw you a birthday party tomorrow. Sing Craig. a song. Let's see who do we have tomorrow. We got Mike for an hour, and we got Chris tomorrow. So we'll we'll, we'll make sure that we party with you, man. That's uh, that's Chris that's pretty and awesome. Perry. We have plenty of friends coming by tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, and Perry Orth uh, starts yeah. tomorrow as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Perry will be leading off the program tomorrow, so that that should be a lot of fun. All right, um, 
Greg Sankey yesterday spoke with Paul Feinbaum, speaking of which, uh, about the college football playoff and its future. And um, essentially, he has said that it's we they probably need to go back and take a look at this thing. And he's probably right, too, because you're – I mean, you're always at this point in time now, you're always going to have four – like you, you, the way that it's set up is you have six at large and then the six highest ranked conference champions. So the SEC and the Big Ten, of course, but more than likely, of course, the ACC too. With as it stands right now, Florida State and Clemson, and then I guess more than likely uh, the Big Twelve, Phil, right? And so, and then after that, what do you have? Uh, because you have the Pac Four. That's not even a conference. Yeah, you can't uh, even really. Hmm. No, you don't. I mean, I mean, even if they all played each other twice, that's still only six conference games. Yeah, I mean, th- th- those guys like it's it's. I mean, if the Pac-12 survives, clearly they're bringing teams in from oh, God only knows where. You know, the Sun Belt yeah. or the, the, you know, the Mountain West. Maybe they merge Conference USA, the AAC. Who knows? Who knows what happens? But, um. Okay, so they need to just do what I thought they should have done in the damn first place is just take the top 12 teams. What, why do we have to throw a bone to these conferences? Even before it was, you know, now we've got three super conferences and, and nobody left, you know, it just it, it didn't make any sense to me whatsoever. It, if you're trying to figure out what the best damn football team is, you put the 12 best damn football teams against each other and then and then let them play it out. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how I feel. I mean, look, I, I, I think you're if you if you stay with the twelve team model, because they're gonna when they come back and talk about this, they might tell people on the camera or on a through the microphone that they're not planning or they're not engaged in any conversations to change it from a twelve team model. I'm going to find that really difficult to believe when they say that really difficult to believe, like unbelievably difficult to believe. Um, I'm not saying that they're not going to land on 12 teams uh, and I'm not saying, or that they're not going to stay with 12, but Phil, there is going to be a, 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 when they reopen the conversation, they're going to look back at every single option. And if Greg Sankey has it has to do with anything has to do anything with it, they will deeply look at every option. They'll look at maybe reverting back to an eight-team playoff. They'll look at maybe staying put at a four-team playoff, and I don't think that's going to fly. And then they'll look probably at going even higher than that to a 16-team model. So here's, here's, where, here's where my issue with a lot of this is. Okay, let's just take – I mean, we already know what the SEC looks like, and we know what it's going to look like when you add Oklahoma and Texas. It, it's going to be, um, and, and and the Big Ten combined, it's going to be very difficult for people to understand how the six high, sixth highest ranked conference champions, and let's say that one of those conference champions comes from the American, and let's say that that is Tulane because they had a great year last year. But how they're going to get a berth and an auto bid in this thing when the fourth and fifth teams – from the SEC and the Big Ten are sitting there at nine and three, 
and the losses that they have are, let's just say it's the SEC, and let's say that it is, I don't know, Texas. And Texas has losses on the road in the swamp, and Florida's a top-10 team, and they've got a loss on the road in Tennessee, and Tennessee's a top-15 team, and they were upset at, or not even upset, they were beat at home by Alabama, who's number two in the country. And outside of that, they're unscathed, and their strength of schedule is three, or whatever it is. But based on record, they are the fifth best team in the SEC, and they're sitting here looking at a team in Tulane who went 11-1, 12-1, including a conference championship, who they would wipe the floor with. So, you know, so so what's going to – we all – look, the, because the, the moving – the moving ball in all of this, the rover, if you will, is the committee. The committee is the one who will pick the six at-large. Some of those at-large teams are going to be shoe-ins. We know that. A lot of them probably will be. But the but there will be one or two that are fussed and discussed about at the end. And then there's going to be one or two, based on what's happening right now with the conference realignment, there's going to be one or two conference champions that are going to get into this thing and not deserve to be there. So... Uh, they'll deserve to be there based on the rules, but they won't deserve to be there based on the 12 teams in football. All right, so let's stop that there. Let's go to the NFL. The best teams in the NFL are not in the postseason every year, and we know that, okay? It's not always every single best team. The the third best team in the AFC South might be better than the team that, won the NFC North. Yeah. Or what what was it last year? The NFC South or whoever it was that finished under 500. But they won their yeah, division. Yeah, the NFC South. I think everybody, yeah, yeah. Right. And, and if you don't have the top three, if you don't have a top three record in the entire conference, you don't make it in. So, yeah, teams get left out all the time. There's no there, – there is no perfect – scenario in all of this there's none okay so you have to find the one that is best to protect the sport and and i think personally that they're gonna there's there are there are 10 leagues right now right and what i'm about to say is going to sound a little bit power five group of five yeah i mean yeah there's still technically 10 leagues it might might be nine if the pac-12 doesn't survive but what I'm about to say is going to sound a little bit off, and I understand that. I'm just saying. If you're going to reward champions, you need to go ahead and reward all the champions and just back this thing up to 16 teams, put the 10 conference champions in there, and then put six at-large teams in on top of that. If you only have nine conference champions because the Pac-12 falls apart, then that's going to be a, a, a number that changes. So you'll have nine conference champions in there. You'll have seven at-large teams, and then you'll reseed them for the playoff, and then bam, you go. All right, if 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 that's what you really want to do, and now I get it. I know I'm not saying that I'm going to disagree with anybody that's going to fight that narrative. I understand what you're going, what you're getting at. Well, there's no reason that the winner of the MAC should be in there. Let's say that you know I don't know, come up with somebody. The Buffalo Bulls, not Bills, Bulls go eleven and two. Duh, yeah, they ain't walking in and beating Ohio State or Alabama or Te- I know that. I get it. I'm just saying. If we're at a point where it's about rewarding conference champions, then just reward all the conference champions 
and put the at-larges in there. That's not a perfect system, but you are rewarding conference champions, and you're also making sure you get the best teams in the sport in there because I know, like Xavier just said a minute ago, and he's not the only one that thinks this, it shouldn't be 12 teams in the first place. It should be the six best teams. If there are only five or six teams every year that can win, well, guess what? They're going to be amongst those 16 teams anyways. Okay? So let them get in there and play. If it's not about that, if it's not about rewarding conference championships, Phil, then just put the best twelve teams in there, period. But that's what, yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm a, I, I was always of the opinion it should expand, but maybe the six or eight. I didn't. I thought twelve was a little bit of a reach, and I thought it was. I thought it was just you know giving lip service to the conference models themselves. I, I mean, you know, it was like there are years when you don't have a powerhouse Clemson team or some, you know, heavy hitting ACC team that's going to get a buy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Or, well, you know, even this year you could have like, I don't know, say Oregon pulls a couple of upsets out of the Pac-12 and plays a weaker schedule and then gets in and would have, you know, a, a buy. It just, I don't know why you're rewarding the four top conference champions and and not, you know, and then have to, to hash it out. But, I mean, obviously you're going to have to change. Something's going to have to change. If you are going to leave it at 12, 16, uh, you know, I think you could pull off 16, but you're going to have to start playing earlier in December on that first well, round. And you're going to have to create some sort of league requirement. How many, like, yeah. if it's just rewarding all league champions, okay, well, what's to say then pack tw- the pack four says, Shit, oh, great, we'll stay right here. You know what? Yeah, we don't need four right. more teams. We get a guaranteed berth every year. So, no, you can't do that. Like, you have yeah. to make sure that there's some sort of threshold that says yeah. you have to have at least, uh, whatever, eight teams, ten teams in your league or something like that. Beyond that, though, Phil, like there's a couple of other things that are going to need to be discussed. We need to hit a quick timeout. When we get back, we'll get into that as well. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. and painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. We'll be right back. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. You hear me and see me every day here on Inside the Gamecocks, and it would be an honor to earn your business. I've been around real estate my entire life as it's somewhat of a family business. 
I work with an elite team of experts from loans to insurance to closing, and they make my clients and my life very easy. It really is elite. Coast to Coast Realty SC com is where you can find our staff and you can always reach out to me here as well go Gamecocks cool Joe here and when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket mm. and the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch it's award winning it'll melt in your mouth it's good on a cracker it's good in a bowl it's good on a piece of bread also don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck it's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manus, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everybody, this is Mo Copper from Carolina Football. The show is painted garden and black every day by a couple of painters. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com to check them out. Go Cox. 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. Bill, there's uh, <laughs> there's billboards everywhere now for South Carolina. If you haven't noticed in Columbia, the Carolina Rise billboards are up, and they are awesome, uh, awesome, awesome, awesome. CarolinaRiseMembers.com. 
And on I-77 headed to Charlotte, a sandstorm is coming, is what the rest of them read. So uh, it's getting closer and closer to football season. Uh, I haven't seen the Carolina Rise billboards. Are they the harbor picture? Or no? Yeah, one one of them is. Yeah. 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 It's um, like that. There it is. Old old Nick, Nick Carver. Uh, Thanks to Park Avenue and Carolina Rise, Nick Carver is. One of the neatest NIL athletes in all of the country, thanks to Carolina Rise and Park Avenue. Pretty cool stuff. All right, uh, so kind of finishing that discussion there, Phil, there's a couple of things that need to be considered with this, with what's happening right now. Number one is we don't know what's happening right now, and we're not going to know. So are they just going to continue to change the playoff system every time the conferences realign themselves? Because apparently this can just happen at any point in time, regardless of what any contract says, right? So they they set up this playoff system in line with what college football looked like. What if it changes again? You going to change it again? So you see that you're getting to a point where it's getting a little ridiculous. Why are we having this conversation? Why are we having to have this conversation? There should be structure. Like, this is it. You might have to alter your playoff system every so often, as in every, I don't know, couple of decades or something. That might happen. You know, Major League Baseball, the NFL, they've all expanded wild card spots and things like that. I get it. But they're not fundamentally changing their playoff system because the league is fundamentally changing where teams are. Like, that's not how it works. So... (laughs) I, 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 that is something they have to come up with something that they're going to be able, that is going to be able to handle any future realignment changes or adjustments in college athletics. And then also, if you, and this is going back to what I said just a little while ago, like if conference championships matter and you want to make them matter, and maybe you want to somehow at least to attempt to slow down or prevent a, more upheaval major conference realignment then go ahead and expand it and reward conference championships and allow them to get in regardless of what league it is just make the playoff larger just make the playoff larger make sure that all of your at-larges are going to get in so you got the best teams that maybe didn't win the best leagues but they're still the best teams in the country that they can get into the playoff and then get all the conference champions in there because if you think about it you know, if you have a if you, if you, if it's guaranteed that you're a conference champion, regardless of what league you're in, that you're going to be in the college football playoff, like that that itself is going to change a lot of the thought process. You see what I'm saying? As far yeah. as like, well, okay, for instance, um, it's not going to change everybody's because clearly it doesn't matter to Clemson. Could, technically, could be in there every single year and should be playing in the ACC, but apparently they want a piece of the Big Ten or the SEC or whatever they want, and that's it's not going to happen if they make that move. But, I mean, if you were the Pac-12 and it was guaranteed that your conference champion is in there every single year and you've got a larger pool of playoff money to go around that's going to help offset some of this, what it all comes down to is, is money. That might actually prevent somebody from leaving to go do something else. I'm not saying that it will. I'm saying that it's something that needs to be discussed. I don't have the answers there. I don't know. I have never sat in that room. All I'm saying is these are things that are going to have to come up, and they're going to have to look at it. 
and then they're going to have to figure out what's best for the sport. And then I go back to what, you know, Jimmy was saying here in our chat box just a minute ago. Maybe just make it the best teams. Now, I don't know that I would do it with the AP because the AP, they find a way to screw things up from time to time. These are just voters. And these guys, remember, they don't watch every game, just like the coaches. They don't. They don't see every game. They don't watch every game, and they don't have the analytics. Now, I'm not saying that the the uh, committee gets it right every year either, Phil, because we certainly have all had our discrepancies over the last eight, eight, or, eight or nine seasons or so about some teams that got in that probably shouldn't have been in there. I'm not saying that it's perfect, but I am saying I think I wouldn't just revert to the AP and say we're going to take the top 12 teams or whatever it's going to be. So I don't know what they're going to do, but I do know this. Whatever they come up with, they probably just learned a lesson, which is this thing needs to be able to survive more realignment in the future because it's it's I we might think it's done. It ain't done. It's going to keep happening. Yeah, I, and I, I don't have the faith that you do that they're going to learn their lesson here, JB, because it, it because now everybody's got to look to the now everybody's got to look to the college football playoff committee. And they are now incredibly important and they get to make a huge, you know, this monumental decision that will affect college football. And if they constrain themselves to something very narrow that does not account for realignment, then everybody's got to come crawling right back and make them feel important again every two years. So I don't necessarily have faith that they're going to fix the system in such a way that it will be able to, you know, just conform to any further realignment. Uh, the, The biggest problem is, you know, when I was a little nervous about this, when they went to 12 is because the more teams you let in, the more teams will have solid arguments for being left out. At four, it's a fairly simple system. You might have six teams. There might be a couple of teams that could legitimately say we should be in. But if you've got 12, I mean, because think about what's the difference between 11 to 25 in any poll? Not very much. <laughs> and right, no, I, mean, I mean, and when you think about 13 through, say, 17 or 19, then you could legitimately have you know, cases where if you did let, you know, just the top whatever in, there's going to be so many more voices that have legitimate claims to being able to be that 12th spot as opposed to the one or two that can say they could have been four. Well, and see, I'm on the other side of that, unless I misunderstood you. I, I like that. I like the fact that we could be entering the month of November, and if it stays at a 12-team, let's say that it goes to the um, just the top 12 teams. I think that they're going to end up changing the way that they, that they're going to select the college football playoff, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, well, I let's think say, so too. I, mean, I think you have to at this point. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think they have to. So let's say that they go to, hey, look, we're gonna, we're it's just going to be the twelve best teams. That's what we're doing. Because uh, you know, whatever. All right, fine. I I like the fact that you at that point in time enter the month of November with essentially, essentially the top 25 programs in whatever poll you read fighting for a spot to get into the playoff. Now, where, where this where this conversation gets halted sometimes or maybe argued would be a better word 
is, okay, right, I hear you, but how many of those teams can realistically win the national championship? Fair. That's To your point, Phil, I mean, generally there's only three. Sometimes there's only one. <laughs> like last year, I don't think there was anybody that was going to beat Georgia. But, um, yeah, okay, but that's just, you know, on any given Saturday – pulls one off you know yeah but that's a that's <laughs> yeah. a fair that's a that's fair okay there's only two three teams that can win the okay, fine okay great yeah but if if for the to the sport itself if you want to see like a good quality playoff or you want to see interest really really rack it up like let me let me throw it this way south carolina walks into the month of november this year in a 12 team playoff at six and two, they've they've played eight games. They're six and two going into November. They got four straight games at home. At six and two in the current system, Phil, and we're all we're fans of the Gamecocks here. Okay, at six and two in the current system, and those two losses being I don't know whatever on the road in Athens and on the road in College Station. Uh, they're 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 uh, they would be three four and. That would put them at four and two in the league. They're not winning the East, and they're not uh, winning the, the SEC championship. So they're six and two going into the month of November with four straight games at home, and they are twenty third in the country. They're playing for a playoff berth, and this is something yeah. Oh, that. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, and so like now. No, and I like that aspect of it, JB. Where right. everybody, you know, you're you're in it until you're not. But it's yeah. where, you know, you can have you have these little arguments now, then, OK, how many nine and, you know, say three teams exist between, you know, 13 to 20 or how many, you know, nine and or eight and four teams Absolutely. exist in that. And, and not all eight and fours are created equal especially in the current conference situation. And it, and it will continue to be so uh, as the conference is realigned next year. And so it's just going to be more people screaming about how they didn't get in. And I think that's going to overshadow a lot of those first round games and that you're going to have so many people saying, Oh, this team would have done this. This team would have done that against, you know, say if you give the top four by again, you know, your, your, your five twelve matchup, if you will, <laughs> Yeah. If your five twelve matchup is an eight and four out of a out of let's say a week big twelve or a nine and three out of a week big twelve where you left out an eight and four in from the SEC, you know, you're like, well, head to head, those two teams, you know, neutral field, the SEC team probably would have pulled it off, but they had one less loss. So it's like you're you're gonna dig into what their thought processes were and all of this. And that's just one of the things that I thought it was like with the more teams you let in, the more controversy you create on the back end um for people to talk about and to overshadow the actual product on the field. But would it though, like it would it would until the games start. You know what I mean? Like and and I yeah, and that's, until you play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's always been college football, you know, like that's that's this this is literally the most imperfect sport on the planet. Like nobody knows who's in charge, nobody knows. I mean, the NCAA can punish you, but yet they're they have nothing to do with playoff and you know, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like they literally have nothing to do with the postseason, but yet somehow they can tell you you can't play in it. That you know, there's there, there's every year, every two years, some of restructuring. It, it is so imperfect, and that's why we all love it. Um, 
you know, I've, I have long been for an expanded playoff because I think that the more teams that have a shot at getting into it in the month of November, the better the sport is. Uh, I, I, I'm in, and it leaves the door open. I'm not saying it will happen, but we don't know. We can't prove it one way or another. It leaves the door open that something crazy could happen with an expanded playoff. Uh, when you have the four and basically only two teams that can win it every year, um, that's kind of what the sport has shifted to, just focusing on that. And they'll do the same thing in an expanded playoff. It's 12 teams, 16 teams, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. one time, and it will happen, It would. It, let's say they go to 12 teams and they go to the best 12 teams ever or best 12 teams in the sport. What it, it will happen. Maybe they do it for four years, and on that fifth year, number one Ohio State gets – 12th seeded whatever Florida and the Gators shock them you know and and like that will happen once and oh, yeah. and that's what I think you know this sport needs more of uh and you can't get more of it unless you build an opportunity to do that now how do they get there I don't know and that's the point like you and I are sitting here having these discussions we don't have all the answers but we're we're also saying things that kind of also make a little bit of sense for the growth of the sport. And I've long maintained Mike Morgan has argued with me about this for years and I'm not saying he's wrong and I'm not saying I'm wrong. I don't know who's right, but I, I don't know how you can like every year, Phil, what, do you, what is there? Two teams, three teams max that can win the national championship, right? Fair. And if I asked you three years ago, who are the three best teams in college football? Who would you have said? Three, oh, years, three ago. years ago, uh, yeah, you'd probably go what Alabama, Ohio State. Would you put Georgia in at that point? Probably, yeah, yeah probably three years ago, yeah, because they were they were on the upswing. Nineteen right. turned it; they finished strong. Yeah, who are the three best? Who are the? If I ask you, who are the what? three best programs in college football today? What would you say? I mean, you you'd probably list them. You know, same yeah. thing. Yeah, that's the okay. Thing. <laughs> All right, and if I said predict who are the three best programs going to be in college football in three years, who would you say? There again, I mean, okay. just, right. <laughs> the rich just continue to like, stay rich. We, we, <laughs> can, we can sit here, exactly. We could throw scenarios out there and say, well, maybe Southern Cal by that time, maybe LSU's back. Maybe, but those are the three safest answers every year, as long as, as, long as Nick Saban's there and all that type of stuff. So here's, here's my point, though. If you want to be able to grow that group of three to maybe, I don't know, five, <laughs> you, you, you have to provide a larger platform for people to grow on. And, like, if you can't get into the playoff, you, like it's a lot different. If you are let's let's not use South Carolina here. Let's use um, let's use Tennessee. Let's use Tennessee. Uh, if Tennessee is getting into a twelve-team playoff two three straight years in a row, that's going to do. That's going to it's going to parallel them, or uh, that's going to shoot their program to the moon as in it's now being considered probably one of the best programs in the country if if they're if they're 10 and 2 every year and they're getting to the Alpac bowl or the cotton bowl or the sugar bowl or whatever but they're not getting into the playoff because they're 10 and 2 they're always going to be on that second tier and when you get to that first tier good things start happening that's what happened to Georgia that's what happened yeah. to Clemson just saying yeah, and uh, the other thing I think that clouds this uh, this this whole discussion is 
how are these mega conferences going to do their scheduling? I don't know. You know, because you could, I mean, they're great. You could, you could stack that in such a way where, you know, you've created middling teams that have excellent records yep. because they're not that you can't play 19 teams. So, you know, let's just say you're in the, you know, the, the big East and, and you're, you're, I mean, not big East. <laughs> so let's bring back the biggies that make it more interesting. No big 10. And, you know, you know, Iowa is a perfect example of this. Iowa, you know, gets to avoid Ohio State, Michigan, Washington, UC, USC. You know, there's four big ones right there you don't have to play. And then you pull an upset at like Oregon. Right. <laughs> you know, and then next thing you know, oh wow, this this is a this is an eleven and one Iowa team who really hasn't showed us anything. Right. I don't know what they're going to do. You know, I, I mean, there's just so many questions now. Yeah, it's, it's you know, you, and I know we're out of time here, but these mega conferences are making it more difficult for the programs in their leagues to be able to achieve the highest success in college football. Not easier at all, but it's about the money. And uh, somebody every year is going to be representing your league, at least from the SEC and the Big Ten. So, yeah, that's... Yeah. I loved it. I mean, you know, Greg Sankey's comments, even outside of the playoff, Alan Feinbaum yesterday, you know, it was like, well, we don't have to exist in four time zones to be relevant on the West Coast. True. <laughs> I thought one of the more telling things he said was he actually, you know, kind of reinforced the regionality of the conference itself, which may actually point to if there were expansion in the SEC that it's more than likely going to either be within the footprint or directly contiguous with. Yeah. Yep. I don't know, man. You know, I, uh, there was a time <laughs> in my life where I thought I was the smartest man in the world, but that was in my early 20s. I don't think that way anymore. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah you grow out of that. Well, you're you, supposed, you should. Supposed to. <laughs> Some people don't. <laughs> Some people don't, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, thanks for David. Kl- thanks to David Kloniger for joining us today. Uh, tomorrow, JC returns. Uh, we'll also be joined tomorrow by Perry Orth, Chris Phillips, and Mike Morgan. It is a jam-packed, thirsty Thursday program here on Inside the Gamecocks. You all, as I mentioned last week, once again today, have a homework assignment, and that is to tell your friends about the all-new Chief Sports app. It houses our program, JC and Morgan, and soon more. Keep your eyes peeled for that. Can't wait. You also can check the high school scoreboard and so much more. Support our partners on there as well. If you need something, check there first, please. If you need something, whatever it is, something catered, something done to your house, you need to buy a new house, you need a sign made, you need whatever it is, check our partnerships first, please. Insurance. And uh, if you don't find what you're looking for, then you can go to the rest of the internet. But please pull up that Cheese Sports app. Before you do anything else. For Phil, I'm JB. Have a wonderful Wednesday afternoon. We'll see you tomorrow at 11. Inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndo Co. And always live from the Cinerama Studios.